God divided the light from the darkness, and he still is. Just as the Lord divided light from darkness, he is calling us to do the same, to divide light from darkness. In our world, in our homes, in our circles, concerning our passions, concerning our entertainments, concerning our recreations, our conversations, our associations. The message reads, God spoke light and light appeared. God saw that light was good and separated light from dark. God named the light day and he named the dark night. It was evening, it was morning, day one. Now we know that when we speak of the literal night, this is God's creation. But can we hear the Spirit of the Lord as we read the account of creation calling us to divide, separate light from dark? There is a light that the Lord has set in this world. Those things that are right, those things that are holy, those things that are acceptable. And there is darkness in this world. We understand that. Because of the fall of man, the beginning of creation, there is that which is light and there is that which is dark. And I would say tonight, and I think we would all acknowledge the reality and the truth, that they are not the same. They are different. And they are to be marked different and they are to be named different. They are to be divided. They are to be separate. They are to be separated even in our lives. That the light and the darkness would be divided. Let the Holy Spirit speak tonight. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 14. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? The Passion Translation, for what partnership is there between righteousness and rebellion? Who could mingle light with darkness? And the message reads, how can you make a partnership out of right and wrong? That's not partnership. That's war. Is light best friends with dark? If the Lord calls one light and he calls one dark, this is only fitting for us. If he calls one day and he calls one night, this is only fitting for us. That which he would call light, that which he would call dark or darkness, we too should name them the same. Leviticus 10.10, that you may distinguish between holy and unholy and between unclean and clean. I mean, think of how it must break his heart when we label darkness as light. Think of how it must grieve his heart when we label night, day. When there's no longer this division, there's no longer a divided reality. 
Ezekiel 22, verse 26, her priests have violated my law and profaned my holy things. They have not distinguished between the holy and the unholy, nor have they made known the difference between the unclean and the clean. They've hidden their eyes from my Sabbath so that I am profaned among them. And the message reads, they can't tell the difference between sacred and secular. They tell people there's no difference between right and wrong. They're contemptuous of my holy Sabbath, profaning me by trying to pull me down to their level. God has divided light and dark, and he's calling us to the same. That there would be this division. There would be a dividing. The Spirit of the Lord is calling us to distinguish and to recognize and to call and to divide light from dark. That only that which is light is labeled so. And only that which is darkness is labeled so. And only that which is day is labeled so. You see, the enemy loves to come in and stir up unholy union between light and dark. He's almost become an expert at it. He loves to come in, to creep in. We know that he even appears as an angel of light. He loves to come and stir up unholy union between light and darkness. Think about this tonight. He loves to come in and stir up unholy union, that is, relationships between man and woman, unequally yoked. He loves to come in and stir up unholy union. We speak of relationship between the believer and the world, relationship between the church and the world. He loves to stir up unholy union. He loves when we get messed up and mixed up, and all of a sudden we're calling that which is light, dark. We're calling that which is dark, light. We can't differentiate between the two. We can't even tell the difference between secular and sacred. It's just all blurry. It's all gray. I remember preaching a message years and years ago now, get rid of the gray. There is no mix. God divided the light from the dark, and he's calling us to do the same, and it's for our good. This division has to exist. It's not an option for the believer. This is light. This is dark. I can't help but think of that righteous day when Jesus made his way into the temple. John chapter 2, verses 13 to 17. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house has eaten me up. The Passion translation reads, Jesus found some rope and made it into a whip. Then he drove out every one of them and their animals from the courtyard of the temple. They were taking advantage of the people. 
And he kicked over the tables filled with money, scattering it everywhere, and he shouted at the merchants, get these things out of here. Don't you dare make my father's house into a center for merchandise. That's when his disciples remembered the scripture. I am consumed with a fiery passion to keep your house pure. This speaks to the Lord's house. This speaks to our houses. And this speaks to we, the temple of the Lord. The dark things, get these things out of here. And I'd encourage his disciples tonight to remember these words, to remember the scripture that he is consumed, he was and is, and we are to be consumed with a fiery passion to keep the house pure, to keep our temple pure, to keep our homes pure. Luke eleven thirty six reads, If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, the whole body will be full of light as when the bright shining of a lamp gives you light. John 17, verses 15 and 16, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I got three points tonight. Number one, call it like it is. I mean, how much clearer could we make it? Call it like it is. Why do Christians have a hard time calling it like it is? Why do those that know the truth have a hard time calling it like it is? If we claim to know the truth, if we say we know the truth, if we believe we know the truth, if we believe the Word of God is right, why do we have such a hard time calling it like it is? I mean, we could just open up a whole can of worms right now and talk about so many things. Music, call it like it is. Entertainment, call it like it is. Relationship, call it like it is. Conversation, call it like it is. Doctrine, call it like it is. You see what I'm saying tonight? Why do we have such a hard time calling it like it is? Is it because it's hard for us? Makes us uncomfortable, puts us in an uncomfortable situation, puts us on the outs with people, even those that are close to us, because we can't call it like it is. You know, Jesus called it like it is. Isaiah 5.20, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And the message reads, Doom to you who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness in place of light and light in place of darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. I want to ask tonight, all of us asked this question, are we calling it like it is? Or are we making excuses? Are we making exceptions? Are we making inclusions? Are we making concessions? You see, the truth is tonight there is no defense, no acceptable reason for calling darkness light and light darkness, for putting darkness for light and putting light for darkness. Our responsibility is to call it like it is. Our ministry is to call it like it is. Our opportunity is to call it like it is. 
our honor is to call it like it is. What good comes from calling darkness light? What good comes? I don't know what your list is, but throw it out the window tonight. What good comes from calling darkness light? What good comes to our homes, our families, our children, our marriages, our relationships, our communities, our cities, our nations, our churches? What good comes to us when we start looking at things in our life and calling darkness light and calling light darkness? What good comes? See, the good comes when we divide it. The good comes when we call it like it is. The good comes when you say, that right there is darkness. We don't start to question, well, maybe it's not really darkness. It doesn't look that bad, so it's not completely dark, right? And so we can accept it. I mean, there's a little bit of light in there. What good comes to us? We've got to call it like it is. Light is light. Dark is dark. Day is day. Night is night. Call it like it is. Number two tonight, divide it like it should be. Again, the text that we began with, Genesis 1, verses 1 to 5, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and he divided, God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. That word divided, this is what it means to separate, to sever, to set apart, to make a distinction, a difference, to divide into parts, to separate oneself from, to withdraw from, to separate oneself unto, to be separated, to be set apart. You see, the Lord wants light and dark divided, and there is no denying the truth. If we would honestly open up the book and read the book, we would be those that would confess that God wants light divided from dark. And so we call it like it is, and we divide it like it should be. We need to be precise. We need to be exact. We need to be detailed. We need to be specific. We need to be clear-cut. We need to be defined. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. Listen to these words. What communion has light with darkness? That's the word of the Lord. And number three tonight is be consumed with a fiery passion to keep it pure. You see, this is what it's going to take. And again, we must be exact and we must be precise. We need a holy zeal that consumes us. A relentless passion, a fiery passion to keep the house pure. And this speaks of the church. This speaks of our own house and we, the temple of the Lord. How many know you're responsible for your own house? 
I'm not responsible for your house. Your mommy and daddy are not responsible for your house unless you live with them. We are responsible for our own house. We can't say this is how I grew up and it was all right, but now I'm off here in my own house and we got a bunch of light that we're labeling darkness and we got a bunch of darkness that we're labeling light and we're mixing the two and we can't tell between the secular and the sacred. Like if we're being completely honest tonight, sitcoms are out of the question. I don't know what you do. All of a sudden the darkness is there and so you plug your ears. You shut your eyes for a moment. It's like, you know, we watch some things. We don't watch sitcoms, but we watch like home and garden shows and, you know, all that fun stuff, right? And so the kids are sitting there and these commercials come on and you just start to realize like how little TV you should actually watch. Because even in amongst these, you know, seemingly harmless shows, there's just like demonic commercials. And the sensitivity of a child, the child will turn, Daddy, should we look away? Daddy, should we look? Daddy, should we watch? Like, this is how serious it is. What are you letting in your eye gate and in your ear gate? We think it's not a big deal. And so, you know what? I wonder what heaven sees as heaven looks down on our life, our day. How much mix do we got going on? Light and darkness, light and darkness. Now listen, I know we have to be in the world, but we're not of the world. I understand we're exposed to things. I worked construction for some time. Listen, you are exposed to things. Monday morning, wow. All the stories, everything you're hearing is crazy. But you don't have to be a part of it. You can keep yourself separate from it. And ask, what do you do when it's your time? What are we doing behind closed doors? What are we doing when nobody's looking? What's the atmosphere in our home? What do we want our house to be filled with? What about the temple that we are? You see, we're responsible for our own house. And every single one of us will give account for our house, for the environment in our house the anointing upon our house, the dark things, get these things out of here. And I'll share this story. I don't know if you heard it. There's this couple in our church. There's actually two couples right now that travel just an incredible distance to come to church. There's a couple that's been traveling because they're, they just believe in the Lord's going to plant them properly. They've been traveling every Sunday all the way from Red Deer to attend church. So, I mean, if you've got an excuse and you're on the other side of the city, hey, the excuse is gone, right? So we'll just let that out there tonight. But this other couple, I'm not going to mention names, it's not important, but they were watching too much TV and they just felt, and I'm not harping on TV, okay? That is not the point of this. But they're watching these things and they're watching, you know, shows that were kind of questionable and they just felt the Holy Spirit saying, Get the TV out of the house. Now, that's pretty, that's pretty straightforward, right? 
okay, well, we'll just turn it off. We won't watch as much. You know, get the TV out of the house. Turn it off, not watch as much. And then just finally, this felt like this oppressive spirit. Took the TV, and he swears by this. Took the TV and set it outside, and he saw this black smoke go out of the TV. This spirit. We've heard funny things like the one-eyed devil. But, you know, we wouldn't believe it nowadays. You know, men like David Wilkerson, when they truly felt called to God, they shut off the TV. They were watching too much at night. But this could speak to so many other things. It's not TV. That's not the problem. What we're saying tonight is, are we calling it like it is, and are we dividing it like it should be? This could speak to anything. Relationships. Well, is it really wrong? I think they might be kind of on the same page. Listen, flirt and convert is going to pervert your Christianity. It sounds silly, but it doesn't quite work. We think we're going to stroll in and save the person by having this unholy union. We think God's somehow going to bless this. Listen, God can do a miracle work. But let's not be fools. Because what we are doing when we link up, even if we're not having sex, listen, even if we link up and we're unequally yoked in a relationship, that is going against the Word of God. That is a violation of the Word of God. That is calling darkness light. We're saying it's okay and somehow God's going to use it. How can we be so foolish and not call it like it is? And divide it like it should be. And let the Lord work things out the way the Lord wants to work things out. David Wilkerson said these words, Wednesday, March 30th, 2011. I received this email. Signed up for his thing before he passed. The sin of mixing, it was called. There is nothing quite as strong as the warnings of Paul against affinity with the world. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. 2 Corinthians 6, 14-16. In the Old Testament, when God wanted to reveal the power of his presence before the wicked Egyptians, he drew a line of separation, dividing God's people in Goshen from the rest of Egypt. And the Lord shall sever between Israel and Egypt. For I will at this time send all my plagues upon thine heart, that thou mayest know that there is none like me in all the earth, Exodus 9, 4, and 14. God wants the world to see the difference between his people who love him and the rest of the unbelieving world. God wants us to be an example of a delivered and victorious people, trusting in his mighty arm to deliver us from all harm and evil. He goes on, The reasons for separation from the world, Egypt, today are the same as they were in ancient time. God is once again drawing a line between his people and this wicked age. 
so that this generation can know that there is none like him to deliver in all the earth. The wicked of this age must have an even greater manifestation of the Lord's presence. Nothing else will get their attention. Nothing else will smite them with conviction for sin. The Holy Spirit has been outpoured so that all flesh could come under the power of Christ's presence and be convicted of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Speaking of his true disciples, he said, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. John 17, 16. Again, I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. John 15, 19. He finishes, the world loves its own, but we are not of the world. May God help us to joyfully accept our special character of separation and difference. Only those who are truly unmixed with the world, separated unto Christ, have any power to save it. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 1 John 2.15 I would say tonight that now is the time to call it like it is. It's always been the time, the right time, to divide it like it should be. And now is the time to be consumed with a fiery passion to keep it pure. To keep our houses pure. To keep the temple pure. No excuses, no exceptions. No inclusions and no concessions. Lord, stir up a fiery passion to keep it pure in all of us. Maybe we're here tonight and we're struggling with that. Dividing it like it should be. We've got so many associations and relationships and thing go- things going on in life and just commitments and everything else that we just can't seem to divide it. We can't seem to separate it. We feel trapped. Well, you know what a good start is? Just start calling it like it is and start dividing it like it should be. you got to start somewhere. Maybe you say, well, this seems like an unsurmountable thing. How am I going to do this in my life? Where do I even start? For some, it might be real simple tonight. For others, it might be real hard and complex. We look at it, and it's just a spider web of things going on in our life. And God's just saying, just start somewhere, and I'm going to help you. Start calling it like it is. And these things are going to come off your life, and you're going to be free. Start calling it like it is, and the brush will be peeled back, pulled away. The darkness will be peeled away. There's too much mix in your life. It's frustrating you. It's frustrating your Christianity. It's frustrating your walk with the Lord. It's frustrating your relationship with Jesus Christ. You come into church time and time again and feel condemned when the Word says there's no condemnation when we're in Christ. But we feel this condemnation because we're calling light darkness and we're calling darkness light. We haven't divided it. The Lord's saying tonight, I feel it so strongly for a per. I don't know, one person here tonight, many people here tonight, perhaps all of us here tonight, and I think it would be all, that we need to start calling it like it is, separating it, dividing it like it should be. And we need to cry out like never before for a fiery passion to keep the house pure. We can have the worship team return. I want to share something from Charles Spurgeon just so happened the other day to open up this book. I've never read this book. I ordered it and never read it. I'm good at that. <laughs> just keep ordering books, right? 
I like the look of them. And I do like to read them, but I feel like with four kids, it's pretty hard to sit down and read a book when you're home. I'll tell you that much, unless you're reading one of theirs. And so, anyways, I just cracked it open, and it just so happened, you know, three. And so a, a dot, and it was just number three of this thing, and, and the heading was Christ, our substitute. And so here, here's something that really stuck out to me, and I think we can appreciate this tonight. I would have you carefully notice the particular expression of the text, for it struck me as being very beautiful and significant, who knew no sin. It does not merely say, did none, but knew none. Sin was no acquaintance of his. He was acquainted with grief, but no acquaintance of sin. He had to walk in the midst of its most frequented haunts, but did not know it. Not that he was ignorant of its nature, or did not know its penalty, but he did not know it. He was a stranger to it. Of course, he knew what sin was, for he was very God. But with sin, he had no communion, no fellowship, no brotherhood. He was a perfect stranger in the presence of sin. We can apply this to our lives tonight, can't we? He was a foreigner. He was not an inhabitant of that land where sin is acknowledged. He passed through the wilderness of suffering, but into the wilderness of sin he could never go. He knew no sin. Mark that expression and treasure it up. And when you are thinking of your substitute and see him hang, bleeding upon the cross, think that you see written in these lines of blood, written along his blessed body, he knew no sin. Mingled with the redness of his blood, that rose of Sharon, behold the purity of his nature, the lily of the valley, he knew no sin. Let's stand tonight. Just take a few moments, just let the Spirit speak to you. There's been a lot said. We've covered a lot tonight, a lot of Scripture. And I know the Holy Spirit is working on our hearts, all of us here tonight. None of us are exempt. Let's not close ourselves off from the Lord. This is for our good that we call it like it is and divide it like it should be and cry out for a fiery passion to keep it pure. Let's just take a moment in his presence as the team leads us. Just take a moment and pour out your heart to the Lord and ask him to help you. Maybe you do need help tonight to get through the web, to get through the fog, to get through the forest of what's been created. Let's start to commit. Let's surrender to the Lord. Thank you, Lord.